1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Sarek.
0: On this episode, a huge and ancient artifact in near polar orbit of the Earth. Could it be of extraterrestrial origin?
2: This object was already in a polar orbit for thousands of years. <laughs> so we knew right away that it wasn't one of ours.
0: Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast, episode pick of the month, and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum delivered to your email inbox. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption.
0: Now, please note, this is a repeat episode from my back catalog. I'll return next week with brand new episodes. If you want to gain access to the back catalog, and that's over 500 episodes, consider becoming a premium subscriber. For less than $2 a month, you also get two bonus commercial-free episodes every month. Go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. The Black Knight Satellite. It's a legendary alien satellite that is said to have orbited Earth for nearly 13,000 years. And it's been twice caught on camera passing the International Space Station and the Moon. So there are those in the UFO ET field who claim the satellite is an object of extraterrestrial origin, possibly up to 13,000 years old, orbiting the Earth in a near-polar orbit. Here to talk about the Black Knight Satellite is Billy Carson. He's an avid blogger, social media manager. He currently owns and manages over a dozen social media accounts with followers totaling over one million. Billy is the founder of Forbidden Knowledge on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. He discusses uh, topics ranging from ancient suppressed knowledge to current day events. Billy is also an expert host on the new original streaming series by Gaia TV named Deep Space. And this series is an exploration of the secret space program. Billy Carson, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you?
2: I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for spending some time. Listen, why don't we start off right away? Uh, I want people to, that haven't seen uh, Forbidden Knowledge to check out your uh, your program on Gaia. Tell us about it and how we can watch it.
2: Fantastic. You can go to Gaia.com. That's G-A-I-A.com. And you can actually just go to the search box and type in Billy Carson. Uh, And a lot of the shows that I've been on will pop up. I'm on Deep Space, Season 1 and 2. Also, Ancient Civilizations, which is a brand new streaming series. I'm on Season 1 and 2 there. And I've been on Beyond Belief and The Buzzsaw a couple of times as well.
0: You're a busy guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> we should also uh, tell people that I mean, when you talk about the Secret Space Program and what we're going to talk about tonight, Black Knight, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you work in the aerospace industry, correct?
2: Yes, I do. I actually, I, I actually own a space agency. It's a private space agency called First Class Space Agency, uh, registered in the state of Florida, and it's also registered with the European Space Agency and NASA.
0: And uh, are you involved in launching CubeSats at all?
2: No, we're not involved in that as of yet. <clears throat> right now, we're mostly involved in research and development of zero-point energy devices and uh, alternative propulsion systems. Wow, <laughs> now, that's the cool stuff. <laughs> Never mind the CubeSats. Yeah. although there's. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of satellites, let's let's get into this. This is, uh, you know, this doesn't get enough attention as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how you feel, but this thing that's out there. Some have said it's, uh, you know, 12,000 years old and, and uh, it's it's in this retrograde orbit. We're mm-hmm. talking about this, they call it the Black Knight. First of all, yeah. when did you first become aware of it?
2: I first became aware of it back in 2012, uh, just doing some research online, looking for anomalies on uh, on Mars through the um, the NASA rover images. Yes. And through one of my Google searches, you know, uh, this it said that there was a space anomaly above Earth. And I said, Well, what is this? I've never heard of this before. And it was the Black Knight satellite. Uh, and at that time, there wasn't a lot of information on, online about it. So I just started digging into it and really trying to figure out what this thing could possibly be. And come to find out, it was a real object cataloged and uh, on the NASA.gov website.
0: Now, how many uh, satellites do you have a handle on how many satellites actually are up there now?
2: At least a couple thousand. I don't have the exact number, but there's at least uh, a little bit over 2,000 satellites up there.
0: 2,000. And how does this one stand out from the others?
2: Well, in terms of the size, number one, it's about 15,000—I'm sorry, about 15 tons. It's about a 15-ton object, Um, and it's also in a polar orbit, which means it orbits the Earth, uh, you know, east to west instead of around the equator.
0: Ah. Is that what thats what they refer to as a retrograde orbit?
2: Um not really a retrograde, it would be an uh, opposite direction, but the, the the polar orbit is where we go pole to pole.
0: Right. And we don't, and, and, and most satellites uh, are orbit around what, the equator?
2: Yeah, orbit around the equator. Or even, it, it could be, you know, different longitudes above and below, but as well, but they can go either, um, you know, what you call it, clockwise or counterclockwise or retrograde. Right. But this particular object is going in a polar orbit.
0: Now, why why is that? Why are why don't our satellites do a polar orbit?
2: We do now. We actually do that now when we go to scan planets and moons and even scan the Earth. Um, we, we do a polar orbit now so that we can get uh, uh, like a, a line-by-line scan to create... A topography image uh well we couldn't do that until the the late 90s uh so this object had or was already in a polar orbit for thousands of years <laughs> so we knew right away that it wasn't one of ours
0: how how have we been able to determine the age of this thing
2: well it was sending out some type of a radio signal and uh, that was actually actually detected in 1927 Um, and astronomers, uh, were able to capture this signal and, and, you know, they didn't know what to do with it. Even Nikola Tesla back in 1899 picked up this signal and documented this signal as well, but he didn't exactly know. He thought it was coming from Mars, but in 1957, uh, during the time of Sputnik one, scientists were actually able to get the signal and also decode it. Now, this is something that they actually stated that they were able to decode it. And what they're saying is that it was giving the location of the Epsilon Bootis star cluster. The only thing was it was giving its location from 13,000 years ago. Do, who, and that's and who, where they got the age.
0: Who decoded it?
2: That's a good question. Some scientists, I'm, I'm, I guess, at in aerospace, most likely at some university or either at NASA or one of the other space agencies. Hmm. Uh, back then it would have been NACA. But um, they say that they decoded it. And that information was in Time magazine uh, from uh, – May of May 7th of 1960 is when the first time it was cataloged and actually put into Time magazine back then. Um, And then, you know, so they've known about this for a very long time.
0: Now, Sputnik, as you pointed out, launched in 57. Correct. Uh, So, and there were news reports prior to Sputnik Mm -hmm. that the U.S. Air Force had discovered two satellites orbiting the Earth.
2: Correct, yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, one was the St. Louis Dispatch, and that was in 1954. Uh, and then there was the San Francisco Examiner back in also 1954. They documented two objects, two artificial sat- satellites circling the Earth. Uh, and they so they this again is very well documented. Um, even there was an article in Harvard University. Uh, you know, I mean, they've they've known about this for a very very long time.
0: My God, this is well documented. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, okay so do we have any any images of it do we know uh, its yeah. its shape what it might be made out of what does it look like
2: It looks like a bird of prey almost it's a, it's a very You mean like the Romulan
0: shape. the Romulan spacecrafts from Star Trek?
2: Right exactly kind of oh. like that but except without the wings extended out you know just kind of has that that weird uh, shape uh, and it's uh, it's huge, man. It, it's it's really big. It, the, the the images themselves of this actual object are still on the NASA.gov website, and labeled as uh, space junk. is the label that they gave it. Um, so we have the images, HD high quality images, taken by the STS missions, uh, which were the satellite the uh, the uh, space shuttle missions, and cataloged on the NASA.gov website, uh, which I can provide you the link so that you can provide it to your listeners. Uh, when this show airs, uh, you know it's still there. They're still up there. I mean, it's a good quality, uh, let's see, one, five quality HD images that somebody can pull up of this object. Uh,
0: and again, it's doing a polar orbit. Most of our uh, satellites go the other way. We right. achieved the ability to do a polar orbit I, when when was that? Sometime in the nineteen sixties or something. But we, we we didn't really put any up that that way until the nineties. You said, correct. Uh, and do we know what kind of of signals are these? Are these like radio transmissions, uh, what kind of it's a gotta signal? It's got to be
2: a radio frequency because ham operators were picking up this signal as well. So it's got to be a radio frequency that, that this thing was um, you know, giving off and maybe possibly still is giving off. It's just we don't use, you know, we're not tuning into those frequencies right now. Um, but um, So it had to be a radio signal or at least one of its modes of communication was radio because, like I said, ham operators were picking this up when they were monitoring the, uh, the Sputnik mission. Uh, so this thing, and, and again, back, you go back to Nikola Tesla, 1899, uh, he he actually said it was a radio transmission, uh, coming in when he detected it when he was in Colorado Springs. Uh, so this is (laughs) some interesting stuff here. Um, again, it's kind of been swept underneath the rug. Once, you know, once the official powers that be label something junk and for whatever reason, you know, like your DNA, oh, it's just extra junk in your DNA and people just say, oh, it's junk. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the craziest little Jedi mind trick that they play on you.
0: Now, uh, I'm trying to recall. Uh, I think it was Jacques Jacques Vallée. He was, he was with the French Space uh, Commission uh, at some point. Didn't they observe this satellite?
2: Yes, they did. They actually observed it. Um, uh, I forget what year that was. It might have been in the 19, uh, 1940s. I can't remember the exact date with that, but yes, they did. They were actually uh, Oh, it was 1950s. I'm sorry. Nineteen. They were actually observing Sputnik, I believe, too when they came across it uh, going in a North Pole orbit. And that's when they documented this object. So, again, it's been documented many different times with many different people. Um, and uh, Even uh, there was a sergeant in the military um, that uh, actually said that it actually orbits our Earth on a polar orbit and comes very close every two years or so. And then you can actually see it with almost a naked eye or just a standard uh, telescope.
0: Have you witnessed it with the naked eye?
2: Uh, No, I haven't. Clifford Stone said that, as a matter of fact. But I did not see it with the naked eye, but I saw it with a um, uh, Celestron 130 uh, telescope that I have. And uh, it was very easy to see. Now you can't make, make out the complete shape, but just as predicted by Sergeant Clifford Stone, uh, it it arrived at around that time. And you, I mean, you, it was very plain and very easy to see through a standard telescope. You know, so it, it's it's there now. NASA called it a um, a near-earth, near Earth near Earth object, <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was the Black Knight satellite. And Sergeant Clifford Stone was the one that gave that information out uh, prior to 2012, and he gave the exact date that it was going to be kind of visible in the northern sky, uh, and, it, and it sure was there.
0: The uh, the images that are on the um, the NASA website mm-hmm. uh, were those taken from the International Space Station?
2: Uh, some were taken from the International Space Station, and a couple were taken from uh, taken from the STS mission. I think it was 1995, uh, so it's a mixture of the two. Now some people are trying to say that um, that the images are just a space blanket, which will be a cover of a part of one of the uh, shuttles that kind of came off, but we've already w- well documented that it's not just based off the size, the angle, and the shapes. Um, that's just a made-up, um, a made-up story, just again to kind of say, oh, it's, it's swamp gas. It's, I mean, I've never seen a, a blanket look like a, a metal metallic object.
0: Right. And even if it, you know. if, it, if that were true, that doesn't explain away the sightings and documentation of the satellite mm-hmm. from the fifties and sixties by, right. by government and scientific <laughs> agencies.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't just explain it away. They try to sweep it under the rug. I mean, like I said, it even made time magazine in 1960. Uh, it was you know on everybody's radar and, um, I guess the powers that be at some point decided like, you know, let's just put this thing away because we don't want people to know about it because maybe it's a national security risk or we can't explain it. So how will they have faith in us if we can't explain what's in our own skies and so forth and so on? Um, you know, so they kind of swept it the under, underneath the rug.
0: I understand also uh, Gordon, astronaut Gordon Cooper's side.
2: Yes, G- Gordon Cooper said he, uh, stated that he saw this object. Um, and this information was also reported to President Eisenhower. Uh, and he uh, he w- was the one that actually marked the top secret. So, again, Eisenhower, again, caught up in, a, in this UFO type of, um, you know, conspiracy where, you know, at one point it was said that he met with potentially met with the um, Vesuvians and also with the Greys. And then now we find out that the Black Knight satellite was marked top secret by him. And we know that it's an object that's up there that's well documented. So um, it's, it's just very interesting that he's, he, you know, consistently in these, um, in these conspiracies about UFOs and aliens.
0: Now, Cooper, um, he was in the Mercury uh, program. So he would have been like on the Mercury 9 module or something. And um, now I heard a story that when he came back to Earth, he had initially reported it, uh, I think, to the Australian Space Command. He was up there. He was tracking it. But when he came down... He wasn't allowed to talk about it.
2: Yeah, he was blocked. They, they gave him a gag order about it. It was the Mercury mission. It was one of the missions that were preparing us for the Apollo mm-hmm. missions. Uh, and he was the one that was uh, which they did track it. Uh, and he actually made a couple of statements about it. But through freedom of information, we have not still been able to get the black box uh, on the Mercury mission. We got the black box on the Apollo 11, but not the Mercury but um, he did state that he, he saw this object and was tracking it, but then they put a gag order on him and he hadn't been able to speak of it ever since.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they floated this story, too. I think I remember reading about uh, the fact that he suffered hallucinations from an excess of carbon dioxide in right. his cabin. So anything <laughs> right. that he might have slipped out, that was sort of the explanation.
2: Yeah, they wanted to make him seem like he was just out of his mind. He was crazy. And, and that's why he, um, you know, that's why he was uh, making these weird statements. Did
0: you ever have an opportunity to speak to, to Gordon Cooper about that?
2: No, I wish. I, I hadn't had an opportunity yet at this time. I wish I did have an opportunity to talk to him and also, you know, Neil and and the others. But not not at this time. I just, I'm just i waiting for the day to at least uh, get to one of them and try to see if I can speak to him. Maybe I'll see one of them at the Space Symposium in April. I think it's the 34th annual Space Symposium I'll be going going to uh, in April. And uh, maybe I'll get a chance to talk to Neil. I mean, I sorry Neil, but um, Buzz, when I get there. Um, But, you know, they've been they've been so suppressed as to what they can and can't say. uh, It's almost impossible to predict if they're going to give you any information or not or give you a wink or whatever, you know.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It it was always so puzzling how uh, when Neil Armstrong returned, uh, I mean, here's a guy that had just seen, you know, the the earth. From the moon, the most unimaginably beautiful thing that you could possibly see, and yet uh, in front of the cameras, he looked like he had just lost his best friend, as if someone had whispered in his ear, you know, something terrible. Exactly. Uh, So, is the is the Black Knight? uh, Are these signals still being picked up by ham uh, operators around the world?
2: At this time, nobody is documented that they're getting any uh, signal from this object, or if they are getting it, maybe they don't know what it is. Um, but there hasn't been any new developments on the signal. It could also be that we're jamming the signal ah. because you know we're very good at doing that. Um, I mean, that's that's a piece of cake. For example, when I was just speaking at the Conscious Life Expo in uh, in LA a, a week ago. You couldn't even, you know, get a cell phone signal. in There, they had jammers in the, in the room, so that nobody can broadcast the shows live. They wouldn't really get it on live stream, paid live stream, or either have to be there. Oh,
0: isn't that interesting? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's very easy to jam a, ra- a radio signal. That's a piece of cake. You know, you just find the frequency and just just, just uh, match that frequency, and you can actually just bump it out.
0: Right, right. Now the the um, the recordings uh, that were deciphered. Mm-hmm. Uh are they available anywhere? Can anyone hear what this Black Knight satellite sounds like or sounded like?
2: I've been digging for those for so many years it almost seems as if it's been buried away. Uh the people that have you know that first cataloged them by now are most likely passed on. And whoever has a copy of them, um, it's just kinda gone. The only the only record we know that they exist was because it was written about. Other than that, the actual recordings and the sound files themselves or who knows they're they're probably in the Vatican archives or something. Yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> doubt. Who knows where they are at this moment. But they were written about, which documented them. But um, but yeah, I wish I could get my hands on those.
0: And you're able to track when it's going to come, come by again and when it would be visible to the naked eye. Did you say about every two years or with a telescope?
2: Yeah, about every two years. Uh, it comes pretty close to where you can see it in the northern sky.
0: Okay, the northern um, sky. All right. Yeah. And is there, a, is there a time period we can mark on our calendars for all the amateur astronomers out there?
2: I'll try to see if I can get that for you real quick because uh, it'd be really interesting to find out. It should be almost soon here. Um, let me see. Let me just go on my notes here. Trying to find this next approach. I, I I looked at it about a year ago. In terms of the, the approach dates, uh, let's see here. Actually, be kind of cool to do something around that time, some kind of live broadcast or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let me just see here. Boy, it used to be so much information about it, It's kind of been almost wiped out of here. Hmm. Passes from one point of satellite. Wow. Let me just check this one here. Trying to go some, you know, some of my trusted pages to right, make right. sure I get the good information, but so many of them have been like either deleted or gone. Interesting. That is really strange. You know, even the video I saw of Clifford Stone talking about it that was wiped off of YouTube.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Just recently.
2: When you told me about the show, I was like, let me go check out Clifford Stone's old video that I had up on a blog that I put up a long time ago, and it said this video was deleted. I was like, what?
0: (laughs) Oh, my. The plot thickens.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so so bizarre. Okay, let me see. Let me just look one more place real quick. Because it was also known as um, Asteroid. I'm sorry. Asteroid 2012 DA14 was the actual – asteroid let me just check the orbital period for that real quick that's what they were trying to say it might be oh an
0: asteroid how could you confuse an asteroid (laughs) asteroid thermal blanket
2: (laughs) i know it's crazy they just they don't stop with the lies
0: And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love Tales of the Paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files
1: wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
2: for the ones who get it done.
1: C60
0: Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 EVO with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 EVO is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years, and during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality, we're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed. ESS-60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today.
1: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Billy Carson is here from Forbidden Knowledge and we're discussing the mysterious object in near polar orbit of the Earth known as the Black Knight Satellite. And uh, Billy uh, is trying to determine when this satellite will swing by uh, again, when it can be visible with the naked eye or at least with a telescope in the in the northern sky.
2: Well, according to um, NASA.gov, which they're calling it this uh, this asteroid instead of what it really is, it uh, looks like a return to Earth in 2023. All so right. We have a little bit of time here before it comes back.
0: And will we have some some warning as to what like how long how many how many days or weeks would it be visible? Do we know?
2: Um, we don't know. It's most likely going to be just visible for uh, probably just a couple of days you know, at its closest approach.
0: Okay. All right.
2: Uh, but we'll know we'll know of the approach because they always announce you know that it's um, something getting close and and I guess to kind of forewarn some of the astronomers or maybe he is part of their code talk to let people know to be quiet about it or whatever, but they always make an announcement because they like to hide things in plain sight. Right. So we'll know that it's uh, it's getting ready to hit or come close, not hit, but come close. And then from there we can probably start tracking this thing ourselves.
0: So again, NASA is calling the black Knight. They're, they're calling it an asteroid. And what is the name of it? So we can track it online.
2: Uh, asteroid 2012, DA 14,
0: DA 14. All right. Yeah. Um, now, I mentioned off the top cube satellites, and now, you know, universities and amateurs are, are launching these things. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not that ridiculously expensive uh, mm-hmm. to do it, but has anyone thought of launching a cube satellite up there? Could we launch one on a, on a polar orbit and, and maybe catch a glimpse of this? Have you had a camera mounted on a CubeSat?
2: It's very possible. I mean, it, it doesn't cost a lot of money. You can launch a CubeSat for about $8,000. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what uh, I've heard.
2: Yeah, it's pretty easy to raise the money for that. Um, the only thing is getting the clearances to do so, which, uh, you know, a little bit of a process to get done. I prob- probably, now that I'm kind of, I've got my foot in the door, I can probably get it done fairly easy. Uh, now, uh, as far as transmitting the data back, if you can capture and transmit that data, that would be fen- phenomenal and fantastic. Uh, will they block it, or will they, um, you know, will they censor it? Will they make it go to a command post first, and then transmit from there after they filter it? I don't know, but it's, de- it's definitely worth a try for that little bit of money. You know, we'll probably even just raise that on group funding or uh, yes, and, yes. And, and get that together and do it.
0: Well, there you go, Billy. There's your assignment.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. It's a good project for me right there. I think I can do it.
0: So. Uh just launching it though on a polar on a polar orbit what mm-hmm. what else would you need to do to make sure that you're going to capture this thing on on camera I mean how do you uh, it has to be in the same more or less the same uh, at the same height doesn't it
2: uh, it doesn't have to be the same height because, you know, camera technology is phenomenal. I mean, just even with my, like I said, my Celestron 130, I can see Jupiter. You know, I can see, you know, Neptune. It's, it's very easy, even even Pluto. So, I mean, you don't have to be the same height. Now, if you want to track it as it moves around the Earth in a polar orbit, then you would have to be on the same trajectory as it. But you wouldn't have to be as high, but you need to be in, you can be a low, low Earth orbit and still be on the same trajectory. If you just want to see it as it, as it goes during its, you know, its normal orbit, um, you can just be in a regular geosynchronous orbit where you think it's going to show up, and be able to view that part of the, um, you know, that part of the Earth uh, above, above that part of the Earth, and look for it as it swings by. Right, so right. There's a couple of ways that you can do it. You know, it just takes a little bit of mathematics.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that would be a great project. My gosh, mm-hmm. you can uh, yeah. put a, a cube sat up there, call it the Black Knight Hunter or the Dark Knight I Hunter. I love
2: it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, that's some good stuff, my dear. We got to do this, man. <laughs> that's um, a great project.
0: So, I mean, are we are we 100% sure that it is a satellite? Could it be an actual manned craft? Well, not manned, but... I'll
2: tell you what I, what I really think it is. I, I really think that it's a, an ancient Sumerian uh, communications device that doubles as a satellite as well as maybe some type of a craft that allows somebody to go interplanetary between two planets inside of a solar system.
0: Hmm. Why Um, Sumerian? Why Sumerian, Billy?
2: In the Sumerian tablets, um, there is a tablet that actually has um, a depiction of an Anunnaki being on Earth and an Anunnaki being on Mars. And in between them, there's this device that allows them to communicate. Uh, And I'm thinking that that device, in my personal opinion, is most likely the Black Knight satellite.
0: Ah, Ha uh-huh. ha! Yeah. So that's, the, you
2: know, that's where it goes to for me, because I I study the Enuma Elish, the Seven Tablets of Creation, all the Sumerian tablets. You know, that's really my thing that I that I mm-hmm. speak about it in these lectures. Matter of fact, I just did a two and a half hour lecture about this in um in Los Angeles at the, at the Conscious Life Expo, and I'm also going to speak at the Contact in the Desert about the same subject. And I, I'm really starting to believe that. um this tablet is this communication device that the Anunnaki were talking about using to talk between two planets.
0: So what kind of a receiver, then, would they have had on the ground here in ancient Sumeria?
2: You know, they use a lot of crystal technology, and crystals are phenomenal for picking up um, sound frequencies. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you read some of these tablets, you discover that they're speaking to their human counterparts through these crystal granite um, um Stellus. so that technology is very easily very easy to use very easy to create and for a human being who doesn't know any better it seems like magic
0: right right literally uh communication with the gods
2: right exactly so you know, this tablet is, uh, it's an actual tablet uh that's in a museum In, um i believe it's in the um british museum yes it's a tablet fragment number three and um it's amazing because, it, like I said, it's one God on Mars, one on Earth, and they're communicating between each other with this device that looks like a satellite.
0: Uh, these are the cuneiforms. Is that what they call the cuneiforms?
2: These Yeah, tablets? Cuneiform, cuneiform tablets, and mm-hmm. they also have cylinder, steel, cylinder, cylinder seals or cylinder scrolls that they also made as well, which are pretty intricate uh, uh, things. Because you, you have to make the print in reverse on the roller, then roll it, and then bake it. So you have to know what you're going to say before you say it, and you have to do it in— backwards and then roll it it's an, it's an amazing you know concept yeah uh, that they came up with you know ten thousand years ago
0: <laughs> and and are you do you now are you able to decipher ancient sumerian do you uh yes. you do
1: wow
2: well any, anybody can do it now because ucla thankfully has started the ucla cdli online library And this UCLA online library has the cuneiform tablets here. You can go to the virtual shelf and grab a virtual tablet and drop it into the translator and get the exact translation right there. (laughs) Ingenious. Yes, exactly. So it
0: is a bit of a a stretch, perhaps. But do you think that the the crystal receiver could be Mm -hmm. somewhere buried in the sands in southern Iraq
1: somewhere?
2: Uh, I believe so. I believe it could have been inside the ziggurat of Ur. And the reason why I say that is because the first place that the United States military went to do this, you know, to find the weapon of mass destruction that didn't exist, was they went to the ziggurat of Ur. And I know this because one of my friends was on that mission. Uh, so that's the first place they went. They went into the ziggurat and took out a device and put it on the back of one of these giant pickup trucks, covered it over with a tarp, and it, it pulled off, and that was the last he saw of it. But uh, that's where they went first. The second place that they went, not, not, the, not the third or fourth, but the second place was to the museum, Saddam yes. Hussein's museum. Right. And they blew open the doors, went to the deepest areas and took out hundreds of antiquities out of there and yeah. took them away as well. So those are the two places that they went. Why, would, why in the world would, you, you know, would a military from the United States go there to get those two, whatever they were, ancient objects or ancient, ancient pieces of information or documents, whatever they were that they took, devices or whatever uh instead of going and looking for these quote-unquote weapons of mass destruction i think that's those were probably the primary reason they went there i think every else everything else was just a caveat you know taking over the land and the resources and everything else i think they really went there for the for that ancient information wow uh they may be in communication with this thing right now right
0: right do you think it's possible there are anunnaki uh, aboard as we speak
2: I don't think there's anybody aboard. I think it's an autonomous craft that's operating uh, through intelligent control, but maybe from a from a significant distance, and that it was just left here maybe to observe and transmit information back to wherever they are at this particular moment. You know, it could be just one of these watching devices. You know, like the old term, "Who watches the watchers?" Right. It could be right. It could be one of these watching devices, just kind of watching and monitoring and capturing all of our communications, all of our uh, you know, all every all of our transmissions, everything we say and do, all of our wars, all that information could be getting sent uh, remotely sent to another location uh, without us even knowing about it. And you know, with their technology, who knows? They were already a million years ahead of us, so this thing could be very sophisticated. Which is most likely why they won't even touch it.
0: Uh, and it hasn't uh, it hasn't been transmitting, at least as far as we know, for some time. Although you mentioned that maybe it could be jammed. Uh, right. Or if it is transmitting, someone else has the receiver, uh, and God knows what they're doing with that information.
2: Right, exactly. You know, and- you just you just never really know what they're up to. You know, the the interesting thing is, in the um, Sumerian tablets, and also in the um, in the uh, Emerald Tablets, of Thoth he claims to have built the Great Pyramids, and in the Sumerian tablets, his father Enki tells him to go ahead and build the Sphinx. Well, when he says that he built the the, uh, the, um, the pyramids, that was in the Emerald Tablets, which are over 36,000 years old. Uh-huh. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when you look at the Sphinx now, they have really now kind of isolated it. It's not a couple thousand years old like everybody's been saying. It really dates back due to the weathering. Some are saying to the last ice age around twelve to 13,000 years. But around that time, there was so much chaos on Earth, you take it back another processional period – And you may have it there, but most likely the alignment that you're looking for with this star cluster is another processional period back. So this thing can be can be uh have been put into position right around the time that Thoth was writing the Emerald Tablets about thirty six thousand years ago. That would be the next alignment that would you know, you could say so instead of thirteen you can go back two processional periods and discover that it was lined up again during the time that Thoth wrote the Emerald Tablets, thirty six thousand years ago. Uh so this thing can be really ancient, a lot more ancient than what we think. Just like the Sphinx itself is most likely around 36,000 years old because that's around the time that though talks about building the, the great pyramids. Right,
0: right. So the Dark Knight may have been up there for as you say 36,000
2: years. Correct. Yeah, very possible.
0: Uh isn't it interesting though as you say that uh, websites are disappearing? YouTube videos uh, disappearing. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: have you talked about this on any of your shows on Gaia recently?
2: Not yet. We actually haven't gotten a chance to talk about it yet. It was one of the ones that we were going to be bringing up uh, for uh, season three for Deep Space. Um, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it yet just because there was so much information we wanted to build up to get bring people up to speed, so to speak, on what we're trying to say about the ancient space program and about what, what the modern – you know, secret space program is, and then we were going to get into this most likely in season number three. Um, but it's a real, it's a real conundrum because um, this object is most likely still up there, and it's, um, it's probably, like I say, being jammed from sending out signals, or so we can't pick it, pick up any signals. But uh, whatever it is, it's it's really highly sophisticated. It might even be broadcasting on multiple spectrums. We should probably scan for hydrogen or different spectrums of communication because it's probably sending out all different types of communication that we just, you know, haven't thought of.
0: Right, right. What do they call that uh, one form of transmission? Long echo delay or something? It's uh, uh, possible. You LEDs, can have long echo yeah.
2: delay. You have the subspace frequencies. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can you know, transmit this information, even through, um, uh, what is it, um, in quantum physics, they call it... Uh, Quantum entanglement, that's Mm -hmm. another form of communication that we're just now starting to learn how to do, where you can take two particles, phase shift into the same frequency, put one, I don't care how far where you put it, when you put data and information into one of them, the other one uh, changes instantaneously, the other particle changes instantaneously through quantum entanglement. And now we're discovering that we can use this as a form of not only uh, encryption, but as well as a form of communication through deep space. So who's to say this object here, as sophisticated as it might be, may not be con- communicating through quantum entanglement.
0: Right, right. Uh, who who gave it its name, the Dark Knight? Do we know?
2: Um, no, I don't know who gave it the name, the Dark Knight or the Black Knight satellite. That's a very good question. Um, it just uh, seems to be a name that just, um, I mean, I hate to say popped up, but it was just a name that I guess, or a nickname that somebody probably gave it and it, it stuck.
0: Right, right. Do you think it's? Do you think that NASA may may be tracking it with their own uh, uh, polar orbit satellite?
2: Oh, they're definitely tracking it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you know, with the amount of satellites we have up there, they've got to keep an eye on everything. Um, you know, there's even a picture of it from them taken from the moon. <laughs> so we have it. Uh, I have this picture as well inside of one of my blogs where we took a picture of the Earth from the moon and with the dark night satellite or the black night satellite, whatever you want to call it in the distance above the Earth. So we have that as well, a picture of you from the moon. They've really been looking at this thing for a very, very, very long time and tracking every move it makes.
0: So was that just, was that accidentally captured in that photo or were they deliberately trying to capture the, the, the Black Knight in I the photo?
2: It, I believe it was, deli- yeah, I believe it was deliberate. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they calculate everything. I mean, everything is calculated, even the landing times, the location, the longitude, the latitude, I mean, everything is so calculated with them. Um, you know even what star cluster is over overhead when they land and all this other stuff so I really believe that this was a calculated uh, time and appointed time to take this one photo uh, which is on nasa.gov site and uh, and get a picture of the earth with this object you know in the distance from the moon
0: hmm fascinating well listen uh billy uh i'm glad i planted that seed about the uh you know launching a a cube satellite the uh, the dark Knight hunter if i can be of any assistance in helping uh raise (laughs) raise money to 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 launch that cube satellite uh Mm -hmm. you want to come back on my radio show or we can talk about it on coast uh and maybe get a, a groundswell of support i think it'd be a terrific project and you're just the guy to pull it off
2: Oh, I appreciate it, man. That would be a fantastic project. I'm actually going to put that on my list right now because I think that's something we should definitely try to do. Uh, and I don't think it would be a difficult you know, prospect to raise the funds, so we should definitely try it.
0: Billy, thank you so much. Always a delight speaking with you.
2: Thank you, same here.
0: Oh, uh, just a, a reminder again, let people know where they can find you on Gaia TV.
2: You can find me on gaia.com forward slash forbidden with the number four, four B-I-D-D-E-N gaia.com forward slash forbidden if you go to that link you'll be able to actually watch some free shows so check out my channel on on gaia.com and you can also visit me at forbiddenknowledge.com and you can get there as well with the number four forbiddenknowledge.com
0: all right billy again great pleasure thank you so much
2: thank you okay before i
0: dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs i'll be back in a few moments with a few words about an upcoming episode Check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast at my strange planet shop you'll find unique men's women's unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts leggings tote bags mugs neck gaiters and stickers and more all emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my strange planet shop by artist illustrator rick forgus if you're a fan of strange planet why not show it off Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on shop. Or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it. Coming up next time, a physicist discusses a US Navy file dubbed the UFO Patents, which reveal how military scientists spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on experiments involving nuclear fusion and electromagnetic fields as part of research into devastating future weapons.
2: They don't use standard physics in uh, the work they're doing on field propulsion and anti-gravity. They considered Einstein's theory of warping of space-time as classical ideas that don't work. So you can't use standard physics to understand these, and it sounds unbelievable. This news story you read, they sort of hype everything up. Actually, it's not that frightening. It's a beautiful technology. It's simple.
0: Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.